0: Welcome to The Art of Significance with your host, Hall of Fame speaker, New York Times bestselling author, university professor, gold record songwriter, and award-winning athlete, Dan Clark. Get ready for engaging discussions with some of the most influential people in the world who will impart their wisdom, stories, and inspiration on why and how to achieve the level beyond success. Now, here's your host, Dan Clark.
1: Welcome. Clark Nation, I am so excited to be back on the air. We just barely celebrated Memorial Day, and I know this is on demand as a as a webinar, so the date doesn't matter, but it really matters to me because when you close down a radio operation as big as voiceamerica.com and give everybody a, a holiday break on our wonderful Memorial Day, we, uh, we need to play a rerun, a rebroadcast and we did so. So today we're back live. I've got two amazing guests that will take us through the entire gamut of roller coaster emotions, through the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat and back up on top again. And before I bring on my first guest whom will who will inspire you beyond belief. I want you to gather your friends and family members around regardless if you're live or if this is a rebroadcast where you've you've pulled it up on demand, I want you to gather everyone it, whom you care about in your work and your family and your circle of friends, and listen to what Josh has to say about resiliency, with the belief that no matter if you're knocked down seven times, you always get up eight, and his experiences downrange um, will illuminate everybody's everybody's hope in the future and and connect us with our human spirit ability to get back up and go again no matter what. One of the things that I wanted to just share as a preamble to this entire show is my experience as a writer, as a, as a Hall of Fame speaker, as a professional speaker. I've written speeches for so many celebrities. I'm so proud of that because my process begins with about a five-hour interview where I record this individual's life stories and experiences. And we just sit there and philosophize while the recorder is is on. And we extract from these life, these stories, the life lessons that we learned. And the most important thing that I love to ask, as far as, a, as an intriguing and, and deep dive question to everyone is, Tell me about the most significant emotional event in your life, because it's the significant emotional events in our lives that truly transform us and take us from where we are to where we want to be, sometimes reluctantly, sometimes with unintended consequences, where we look back on our life, and when we actually take the time to learn the lessons that we learned, then the quote, I always win, either I win or I learn, makes more sense. The quote, pain is a signal to grow, not to suffer. And once we learn the lesson the pain teaches us, the pain goes away. So in life, there's no mistakes, only lessons. These quotes become more than just weak cliches. They become philosophical ways of thinking. And I've written a lot of speeches for a lot of celebrities. I won't drop any names. I've written TED Talks. But one individual I want to highlight today before I bring Josh Hansen onto the show is a young man who was the 2012 NCAA collegiate wrestling champion in the 125-pound classification. His name is Anthony Robles. He went to Mesa High School in Arizona. That's exactly where I was born. And uh, yeah, as a jackrabbit, he made his school proud as a wrestler on the high school team, but he didn't get any scholarship offers as the state champion. Can you believe it? Why? Anthony Robles was only born with one leg. And at the beginning of his wrestling career, if you call it, his experience as a wrestler, everybody felt sorry for him. And the fans and opposing coaches would say, oh, it's so good to see this kid with a physical challenge, whereas they would you know, irreverently call it a handicap. It's good to see this kid. You don't you don't expect him to win, but, you know, at least he's out here participating and this is so wonderful. And that ticked off Anthony to the degree where he was so motivated to become better every day than he was the day before, that it led him to seeking a scholarship at Arizona State University. The coach took him under his wing, and the rest is history. Um, When Anthony first began wrestling in high school, he was the smallest, least experienced kid on the team and considered it a victory when he wasn't pinned. But it's interesting how he became a three-time All-American wrestler and NCAA champion and a member of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, only being born with one leg. And so he phoned me out of the clear blue and asked me if I would help him write his acceptance speech because he just was notified that he was going to be the recipient of the 2012 SB award the, v, the 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 Jimmy Valvano SB award for courage and perseverance so it was going to be broadcast on international TV and he wanted me to write his acceptance speech at the end of that speech because of this 5 hour interview that I had with him in Phoenix with him and his mother Judy I wrote a little poem that he concluded his his acceptance speech with, that he has used as the title of his book called Unstoppable. The new movie coming out on his life will be called Unstoppable. And it basically sets the tone for what we're going to talk about when I bring Josh Hansen onto the air in just a second. The poem is how... Anthony concludes every one of his speeches now as a motivational speaker. Every soul who comes to earth with a leg or two at birth must wrestle his opponents knowing it's not what is, it's what can be that measures worth. Make it hard, just make it possible. And through pain, I'll not complain. My spirit is unconquerable. Fearless, I will face each foe, for I know I am capable. I don't care what's probable through blood, sweat, and tears I am unstoppable, and as it turned out, he was just getting started. You know, you don't judge a man when he's up. You judge a man when he's down, and I say that to emphasize what an honor and a privilege it is for me to invite my first guest onto the show. Josh Hansen served two tours of duty in Iraq between 2004 and 2007 working as an IED, that's Improvised Explosive Device Hunter near Fallujah. And I was downrange in 2005 the very first time as an entertainer, and that's when Fallujah blew up in the Battle of Fallujah, which was a turning point in the Iraqi War. Joss Hansen His vehicle sustained eight direct hits by IEDs over seven months, causing multiple injuries before he was medevaced out of Iraq in March of 2007. What a hero. Josh lost six men in combat before returning home for a challenging healing process. He was diagnosed with traumatic brain injury and, as they used to call it, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And now we know that the new medical science has eliminated the D from that acronym. We refer to it now as PTS, post-traumatic stress. And we look at it as an injury, not a disorder, not not a syndrome, it's it's an injury. And from my athletic background, and as we will discuss with Josh, when you look at something as an injury, you always have hope, hope and belief that you can overcome that injury, that you can heal from the injury. And that if you go through the proper steps of rehabilitation, the injured part of your body becomes stronger than it was before you injured it, which includes your heart, which includes your attitude, which includes your spirit. Josh, this true American hero, retired from the army. Well, let me explain that he experienced the anguish of war and works to overcome challenges presented to him as a result of his service. And that's why I want him to, to, to teach all of us about his processes of getting up and going again. Josh retired from the Army in March of 2010 and was awarded the Bronze Star Medal in May 2013. While struggling to find the drive to enjoy life again, Josh lost four men to suicide here at home. He felt if it was his duty to lead in combat, he needed to start doing the same thing here at home. Josh decided to help other veterans find the road to recovery, so they could enjoy life again through his organization called continue mission my friends i hope you've had time to gather your friends and family together listeners please welcome to my show the amazing josh hansen how
2: are you josh I'm uh, doing great thank you so much for having me on your program
1: it's hard for me to read this without crying brother i'm so proud of you it's such an honor to have you on the show
2: uh, i greatly appreciate it it's been a long, a long journey, um, but getting the program I have going now has been so healing for me to get other veterans out of the house with the the same style injuries and feeling beat down and building themselves back up to get moving again. It's been great. Awesome. Well,
1: you know, I mentioned a significant emotional event. Uh, psychologists teach us that these C S E E events. Are defined as how did we believe and act before they occurred and how do we now think differently and behave differently because they occurred so the operative words and significant emotional events are before and because before and because so take us way back how are you growing up before you joined the army
2: all right yeah I um, my whole life I wanted to be a pro motocross racer and I always told my parents either I'll be a pro motocross racer or I'll join them as a mechanic. And I was not very good at motocross, but I was a great mechanic. So I went on the road as a mechanic for pro motocross racers. And I did that for, for 10 years from the age of 18. Um, well, from the age of 18 up to 30, actually, I was on the road, started my own business in between all of that, getting motorcycles, uh, going for the the pro racers. And, uh, after years of doing that, 9/11 occurred when I was 30, and that's what changed my, my world forever.
1: Okay, so at that point. A, a lot of people I've interviewed, and I respect every single one of them, they said that that was the wake-up call. The, the inner patriot inside them just kind of raised his, his fiery head. And, and as you know, the great country you know singer, Talks about, uh, you know, it's 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 the American way. Let's let's leave and go put a boot in their ass. Let's just figure out a way to make sure that they understand you shouldn't mess with America. So teach us what happened inside of you to actually pull the trigger. A lot of people say, yeah, I would have. My generation, you know, I was too old to sign up when two thousand and. Eleven, I mean, two thousand and one hit. But what, what deep inside of you? What got you to actually pull the trigger to go from this safe, comfortable, secure life to oh my gosh, let's just join and see if we can uh, fight back?
2: Uh, my whole my whole family has served in the military throughout the years, um, but with me traveling the national circuit, you know, I've always wanted to join, but I had such a great great life doing that. But once, once 9-11 occurred, I thought, you know, this country has been so great to me to live my life and my dream that I felt that 30 years old, I can quit the job of working on bikes and get back out and serve my country now and, uh, and do good. And so I basically closed the doors on my business and signed up for the army at 30 years old and, wow. uh, and ended up doing the two tours in Iraq. And to me, that's, you know, it, it just meant so much to me to, to serve my country. You know, it's all about helping other countries, helping your fellow countrymen, you know, and to me, that was my big drive to, to do what I did.
1: Well, it means so much to us that you decided to volunteer at a time of war and serve our country. So tell me about your first tour of duty in Iraq. I was there uh, for 16 days all over Afghanistan, all over Iraq, in 2005 so i know how how the war was raging in 2004 what was your first experience on your first tour of duty
2: ah it was definitely interesting we all got to uh to kuwait uh we all our vehicles were all soft armor at that time we were putting on what we called hillbilly armor we put the thinner metal doors on we still didn't have windows or anything uh to try protecting us more so we got all our vehicles up armored in. uh kuwait and then uh hit the road and from kuwait up towards baghdad and
1: on route irish
2: for, so i think it was roughly three days we convoyed up to baghdad and you know did you go on
1: you went on route irish humbling. were you in route yeah. irish did you yeah did you leave like from uh the base in iraq did you uh did you go up route irish right downtown baghdad
2: uh we took uh, tampa a majority mm. of the route up and then over to Michigan and we worked our way up to, uh, to Blod air base was my first tour.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that's wor- where I was in out, of, out of a
2: there, just, just above, uh, Baghdad and everything. And, you know, it was really nice working with the locals, uh, talking to them about, you know, how horrible things were before we came there to help, you know, the, the parents would say that their children would be taken away when they You know, the men, especially once they hit the age of 18, 16 to 18, they would just take their kids away, and they would never see them again. And they Mm -hmm. were just so grateful to have us there, and and it was just so uplifting to be there and know you were taking part in something to help others was just so so amazing.
1: So how did you choose to be a a bomb guy? How did you choose to be an
2: IED hunter? Uh, When I first joined up in the military, that's what I signed up for, was a combat engineer. And, and the combat engineers go ahead of everyone, clearing the, the routes of, of the IEDs and the bombs. And that was my main job in my second tour in 607 in Fallujah and Ramadi and the surrounding areas. And we actually served under the Marines. I'm an Army unit, but we served under the Marines and uh, would go ahead of them and clear the routes of the explosives so the Marines could go in and do their job. State so, paint a, w- the, so the paint a word. Worrying about on the.
1: So, paint a word. Paint a word. word. Picture for my for my listeners. <clears throat> so, were you dismounted? <clears throat> were you walking in front of the 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 convoy, the platoon, or were you mounted and just looking with eagle eyes out the out the front window for these signs of IEDs? Tell us what you did.
2: Yeah, we were mounted, so we were in vehicles. And we would locate them uh, basically by our eyes at at that time. It could be an IED. And unfortunately, it was like a cat and mouse game. You know, you'd get hit by something, then you learn, hey, don't pass that up again. Uh, There's just, you know, different ways they changed things and made us have to act different as well. Um,
1: So, did you look for ground that had been just, you know, that had been messed up or did you look for trip wires or what were you trained as an IED hunter to, to look for at the very beginning of your experience?
2: Yeah, you'd look for disturbance in the, at the side. You know, if you if the road on the side of the road was absolutely clear, uh, no bushes or trees or anything and all of a sudden you'd come up and then there's a bush in the middle of nowhere, then you'd stop and use your binoculars, take a view and see if you could, uh, you know, generally it was a Um, You know, an IED hidden in the, you know, disguised as a bush. Um, uh, Tires were really common laying beside the road. If there was any type of trash or tires, we would look for that type of stuff. Uh, Barrels, really anything towards the the sides of the roads. And then later on, we had to start looking. They'd uh, bury them actually in the roads themselves or in culverts. So it was really... We went out. It was just something new. And just trying to remember the terrain of the mission you went on the last time and what possibly could be different. Uh, so it was it was definitely a difficult, but it was so rewarding. Every bomb we pulled off the road was three lives saved from death or injury. So it was pretty rewarding to, to oh have my that gosh. job.
1: And I remember this last time I was downrange, I was up in uh, Jalalabad and I had a chance to meet with the IED hunters up there, some of your brothers in arms. And I asked this one young stud, I said, so tell me why you do this. And he actually got teary-eyed, Josh. And he said, "Uh, so that others may live. I'm like, holy cow. So then I got teary-eyed. And that's exactly what you just said, man. We honor you. We love you. So tell me, teach us the process. I want to take a quick break a commercial break. But when we come back with my guest, Josh Hanson, I want you to teach us what happens when you identify an IED on the side of the road. What is the next step that you do? Do you stop the convoy? Obviously, do you get them to drive way around it? Um, obviously, some of the IEDs are are exploded by a, a cell phone device. So I'm sure that when you were going through close quarters, you had to look at the roofs to see if there was some crazy man up there looking at you, ready to push a button on his phone. And if the the women and children scampered away, and that suddenly the the streets were naked, the streets were bare of anyone else. That was kind of a sign. But I want you to teach my listeners what you did next once you identified an IED. So that we get a feel for the danger that you put yourself in so that others may live. This is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, the influencers channel. My guest is Josh Hansen, who served two tours of duty in Iraq between 2004 and 2007. We're going to go to a commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel if you're an event meeting planner like me you have two ongoing challenges You can't afford to have a speaker who bombs. And when you do have an amazing speaker, who in the world do you bring into next year's meeting that will top them? Well, you never have to worry again. Book Dan Clark. Dan Clark is one of the most incredible human beings on the planet. He's been named one of the top 10 speakers in the world. He's known for customizing his speech around your meeting theme, so your people leave with benefits that last a lifetime. Here's the number, 1-800-676-1121. Or just visit
3: danclark.com.
1: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at Keyword Voice America.
0: You're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop down a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to the Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark.
1: How are you doing? Welcome back. My, uh, my guest is Josh Hansen, who served two tours of duty in Iraq between 2004 and 2007, working as an IED, and improvised explosive device hunter near Fallujah. And oh my gosh, Josh's uh, vehicle sustained eight direct hits by IEDs over seven months, causing multiple injuries before he was medevaced out of Iraq in 2007. Before we took this commercial break, I asked Josh to uh, get ready to teach us what he does next when he identifies, when he's mounted, which means he's now on the armored up uh, Humvee, driving down a road, driving through a street, driving into harm's way, once he identifies an IED, his responsibility is to take action to save the lives of everyone who, who is in his platoon, who's in his, his, his convoy. So Josh teach us what you do next. Once you identify that IED.
2: Yeah. Once I roll up on something that has definitely drawn my attention, I scope it out as best as I can. Once I, Nervous enough that it's a possible IED, I would uh, call up what's the called the Buffalo. It's a huge vehicle that has an arm that would reach out about 30 feet like a backhoe, and they would come up, and I would give them the, the area that I was concerned about, and the Buffalo would come up and, and start digging, trying to dig up wires. Uh, when we were, by the time we were in Iraq, by oh six oh seven, we had jammers in the vehicle, so cell phones no longer would set off IEDs. Everything had to be command dead. So someone was actually watching you, and wires were running to them to, to trigger a battery to, to set them off on us. Uh, so we would dig for the wires. Once wires would pull up, and then they would start digging around to, to where the bombs would be located at. And once they start digging the holes up, and, I mean, one IED could have three or four pretty good side, uh, bombs inside them and get those out of the ground and removed Safely aside, and then uh, our, EOD, our EOD would get on the ground and would call, do security for them, so EOD could get on the ground, collect the rounds, and we either put them in our trucks or we would detonate them uh, on on the location of the of where we were at. Um, and so it just depended if we were on a mission where we didn't we wanted to be quiet and sneak in, we wouldn't uh, set the IEDs off on location. We'd take them back to base to do that in a safe location. Uh, so it just really depended on what we were doing to, um, what the mission was. Um, uh, and then we'd continue mission to the next down the the road till we'd hit another, another possible IED, And, you know, Mm there was, you know, it was like I say, a real cat and mouse game. They got to the point where they'd put some right in the middle of the road where asphalt was busted up. And, uh, you know, they'd pull it out, put IEDs in there, cover it all back up. Uh, so it was, you really learned a lot. You know, you, it was a, a major mind game to locate these things. And then they also had improvised rocket launchers, which would be located off the roads as well. So on top of looking for IEDs by the roads, you'd be looking for the improvised rocket devices off the site as well in uh, PVC pipes and stuff. So it, your head was continually on a swivel as you're driving the trunks looking for the explosives and well, uh, hoping to get everything found because one of my greatest fears was having something blow up behind me and take out someone that I was responsible for on that mission. So you can imagine the how you feel on those missions, hoping you know you find everything and don't get anyone killed or injured. So it was a very pressure job, uh, but well worth uh, what we did. Yes, sir. Is that- well, Kind
1: of cover what you're looking for? Yeah, definitely. I want to just change the whole concept, the whole conversation to focusing quickly on your organization called Continue Mission. So that all of you understand, Josh retired from the Army in March of 2010 and was awarded the Bronze Star Medal in May 2013. He's a true war hero. And while struggling to find the drive to enjoy life again with PTS, Josh lost four of his men to suicide here at home, and he felt his duty to lead in combat needed to start doing this. He needed to do, start doing the same thing here at home, so he decided to help veterans find the road to recovery so that they could enjoy life again through his organization called Continue Mission. That's why my next guest is Pamela Johnson, who founded the Secret Society of Happy People way back in 1998. You see why I wanted you on the show with her there, Josh? You're amazing. You're <laughs> amazing. So let's talk about how how we can sustain and how we can teach us, just for a moment, teach us about continuing mission, continue mission. How did you, why did you start it and how can we help support you?
2: Continue mission in the military is called Charlie Mike. And so for us now, continue mission, what it means to me is continue mission in life and healing. Um, unfortunately for me, after coming home injured, um, I felt like such a burden, for the family, everyone around, everyone around them. Such a burden, and you know, I had this great purpose, and I just felt like I, I didn't have a purpose in life anymore, and I was going down a, a horrible road of, you know, thinking, "Geez, people would be better off if I wasn't around." And I started having those dark thoughts, that I know so many do. And one of my soldiers, I loved dearly. Uh, died by suicide.
1: When I was having stones. You're, uh, you're. Let me interrupt you for a second. You're cutting in and uh, out. Sure.
2: So it, it's. And
1: uh, I haven't moved at all. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it's your cell phone. Maybe you just need to stand on one leg and lick your little finger, stick <laughs> it up in the air for better reception out? or something. Yeah, you were cutting out, but this is a little better now.
2: Okay. Right. Yeah. So I went to his funeral when he died by suicide, and thought, you know, life is worth living. I can't hurt those around me and I need to do something different, and I felt like, you know, as a leader, I didn't want anyone to die during the war because of the lack of training on my part, and so you take such good care of your men before you go to war, but once I got home, you kind of lose track and base of that, and when, you know, when my men were dying by suicide, I thought, what kind of leader am I if they're all dying by suicide now, and I need to do something. I need to get myself healthy, and start a program to get veterans back together again and out doing activities together to let them know you do matter in life, you do have a purpose, and let's take care of each other.
1: And that's kind of how it all started. So give us a contact way. How do we get a hold of you? How do we join your tribe? How do we? Is there an online presence, a contact information to get us involved with Continue Mission?
2: Yeah, uh, our website is continuemission.org. And then also we have a Facebook page and Instagram, Continue Mission. And you'll know our logo. We have a a red sea, which is the bloodshed of war, The black background, which is the mourning of our fallen during the war, and the white M is the purity of intent we all have when we go to war to help others. Um, That's our logo. Um, You can donate on our Facebook page or our website. And we would really appreciate anything we can get because it's, Last year, we served, We did over 150 events and then served over 1,900 veterans and their service and their support member. Because to us, the families are just as important as the veterans themselves. If we can get them out together doing fun activities, they're completely healed. The healing process is so incredible.
1: You're so amazing. So, guests, my, my I mean, listeners, my guest has been Josh Hansen, a true war hero, Uh, He's an expert in traumatic brain injury and PTS, and he's he's just dedicated the rest of his life, of your life, Josh, to helping your fellow veterans where you didn't just lead in combat, but now you're leading them here at home. And we love you. We honor you and your family. And I personally encourage everyone to go online, look up continuingmission.org, continuemission.org. And let's support Josh. Thanks for uh, for being on my show, brother. And we'll connect offline sometime. And uh, I want to meet you belly to belly, man. You're truly a hero to me.
2: Great. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate everybody uh, listening as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Josh. You have a great day. You too. Okay. Okay. Now
1: we have a solution, uh, a, a solution provider to come on the show right after Josh Hansen. It seemed a little dark and a little uh, frightening, perhaps, as we focused in on the the horrible ramifications of war. But with Josh's attitude towards helping everybody recover, it seems only natural to me that Pamela Johnson would follow him on the show because, as I said a moment ago, Pamela, Pamela Gail Johnson... Founded the Secret Society of Happy People in 1998. I can't wait to find out about this. A few of the things that make her smile are the monthly book club she hosts, which we'll find out about. Trying new wines with friends. Yoga, cooking for friends. And her dog, Tater, who (laughs) makes her smile. One of the songs I've written that I have yet to record is called, Dogs Never Lie About Love. Love. Pamela Gail Johnson is the Chief Happiness Officer for Happier at Work, a speaker, trainer, author of the Secret Society of Happy People's 31 Types of Happiness Guide, and writes the column, The Secret Society of Happy People, celebrates happiness, including hosting the annual Happiness Happens Month and Hunt for Happiness Week. You can't even say those words without smiling with a little chuckle. Pamela, who lives in Dallas, Texas, was named a semi-finalist in the search for the next global thought leader in 2013. Oh my goodness. You can't always choose what happens to you, but I guess you can always choose whether or not to smile. Pamela Johnson, welcome to my show.
4: Hi, thank you for having me on, Dan.
1: <laughs> any of my listeners who have had <clears throat> television training i'm sure if you you've heard of the questions can they hear you smile and just hearing your voice makes me smile my goodness talk to me about you where in the heck did you grow up and how did you come up with this amazing idea
4: well i, I i'm actually from west texas so i'm from kind of rural america a town called abilene which you know, it, it is listed in a few songs, but sometimes they're actually talking about Abilene, Kansas, but <laughs> Abilene, uh, Texas, in West Texas. Abil- um, you know, I was—I it was like you know, it's like a lot of ideas that just accidentally showed up. I was working in the mental health substance abuse field at the time, and at one point, I, I was in teaching empowerment workshops, and I was standing around one day going, "Where are all the happy people?" And because I kind of thought it was kind of 20 years ago was what I call the height of self-help as far as TV, radio, books, you know, everything was, was somewhat a, around, you know, fixing something from your past. And I was like, well, we're spending a lot of time in this fixing phase. Why are more people not talking about being happy? So I thought it would be a great essay on the back of a newsletter and so I was playing with that one time, and I'm like, we're all the happy people. I'm like, oh, they have their own club, and they don't tell anybody about it because they don't want anyone to rain on their parade. And then that went to I saw people standing around in Mardi Gras-type masks, and then I saw a big banner that said The Secret Society of Happy People. <laughs> so I told people about my brilliant essay idea, and a lot of people were going, hey, let me know when you st- this club I want to join it and I'm like nah, it's just an essay but eventually about a year later, I actually did start the Secret Society of Happy People. So we're celebrating our 20th year.
1: Oh my goodness. so how do we get a hold of you? How do we join your tribe? How do we become part of the secret society?
4: Well the beauty is membership is free so if you just go to our website which is you know if you Google Secret Society of Happy People, it should pop right up. Um, and you can become an Amuse member, you actually will get a little what we call desk poster, just something you can print out that's got the 31 types of happiness emojis on them. So we are, you know, can help you find, you know, hopefully a few more happy moments.
1: So teach us about the, uh, the happies, happiness happens month and hunt for happiness week. What are those annual events?
4: Well, so the first you know we we got to our first year, we got some press our first year when we started, and so we were kind of getting up to our first year birthday, and I was like, "What do we do to you know celebrate our birthday and at the time, there really weren't a lot of happiness um holidays and and things there's a, there's two or three now, but at the time there really weren't any so and and our theme at the time was admit your happy we called it admit your happy month so we actually just created a day, August 8th, as Admit Your Happy Day, and we sent out 50 letters to all the governors asking for proclamations, because I didn't know how else to make it kind of official. <laughs> so I was like, how do you make this an official holiday? And we, we sent those out, and, and people started sending us proclamations. Some people said no. We actually got more press from our proclamation quest, so that our first you know, Admit Your Happy Month will be 20 years ago this August. Um, And then the next year, people were like, but, you know, what if I can't celebrate August 8th? (laughs) I'm like, okay, so we'll just make the whole month of August a happiness month, and then that way, you know, you can celebrate any day that works for you, or hopefully you're celebrating every day, but (laughs) you can celebrate any day that works for you. And then over the years, we did change the name to Happiness Happens Month.
1: My gosh. So it's around the corner. I love it. This is uh, Dan Clark on the voiceamerica.com radio network with my special guest here on the Influencers Channel. Her name is Pamela Gale Johnson who founded the Secret Society of Happy People way back in 1998. You know what you make me think about, Pamela, is that we become the average of the five people we associate with the most. So if you associate with five negative unhappy people, you're going to become the sixth So what I want you to do, we need to just take a quick, short commercial break, and when we come back, what I want you to teach us is that we must be willing to pay any price and travel any distance to associate, obviously, with positive, happy people. So when we come back in a moment, I want you to teach us what you think is happiness, what you've discovered about the definition of happy, what makes someone truly happy, and what creates enduring happiness. Is that a fair question?
4: That is, I actually have five keys for that.
1: I love it. So we'll have time to practical happiness. Okay, we'll come back and talk about those five keys. Let's quickly take a commercial break and we'll be back in just a moment.
0: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired
1: just got out of a meeting where the unbelievable Dan Clark was the keynote speaker. He is clearly the most interesting man in the world. He's been in space. He reminded us to think bigger. He's a primary contributor to those chicken soup books. And he inspired all of us to make our lives matter. He taught us how to deal with change like he had to when he had to recover from a paralyzing football injury. Everybody needs to hear his message on leadership and safety and how he turns last place NFL teams into Super Bowl champions. Call this number 1-800-676-1121 one 800 676 and visit danclark.com.
3: Career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let
1: us surprise you. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24 7.
0: you're listening to The Art of Significance featuring your host, Dan Clark. If you want to join in on this week's discussion, give us a call at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop Dan a line via email to danclark at xmission.com. Now back to The Art of Significance. Here again is Dan Clark.
1: Welcome back, and when my guest is Pamela Gail Johnson, who founded the Secret Society of Happy People in 1998. She uh, she's amazing. The Secret Society of Happy People celebrates happiness all across the world, and from a professional perspective, in honoring her, Pamela, who lives in Dallas, Texas, was named a semifinalist in the search for the next global thought leader in 2013. As promised. Listeners, I asked Pamela to contemplate what it means to be happy and does she have any secret sauce, any pixie dust that she can share with us so that we can be happier on a daily basis starting the second we click off this show. So you you obviously have a five-step process, my friend. Teach us, Pamela.
4: Well, I think the first thing that people, you know, I call it practical happiness. Because I think happiness is about being practical, meaning you're not going to be happy all the time, and, and that's something people have to somewhat, you know, kind of get their arms around, because I think sometimes there's this hidden in implication that we, that we are, and that's just because unhappiness, chaos, and annoyances happen. If you happen to have lost your house to the, you know, the volcano in Hawaii right now, you know, you're probably not at your peak happy moment, and, and that's okay, um, because you're going through one of those life situations. So you always just have to sort of take that into, into consideration. Now, what, the caveat to that is when unhappiness is swirling around you or chaos, I think you have to ask yourself, will you remember it a year from now? And if that answer is no, then, then try to let it go. Because sometimes we, we hang on to stuff that's really insignificant but if it is a significant situation that, like I said, you'll remember a year from now, you may have to develop some, you know, coping strategies that go with that. You might need to go visit a counselor or a life coach or, or whatever, depending on what it is. Um, but it depends on the significance. But always remember that those things are just part of life. But hopefully you still have more happy moments than not. Um, the so second one so would
1: so, be, so let me oh, just throw in there. So what i'm hearing is that nothing happens to us everything happens for us to give us experience and will definitely at the end of the day be for our good do you agree
4: well i think we can grow from anything you know just it's a horrific experience you know i think so grief grief is a common one we're all going to lose somebody at some point i don't know that anybody's ever going to say that made us you know feel good (laughs) but but depending on the situation but but it is a common experience, and, and, it's, and it's how you approach it. Do you, do you allow that to make you, you know, kind of bitter and angry, or do you, do, do you allow it to make you a better person, you know, depending, again, on the situation?
1: Yeah, so when my dad passed away of cancer, I had to realize finally that, that he died, I didn't. And therefore, about two weeks, and actually about two months before my dad passed away, he gathered all the family together, and he said, what are all of you learning? From my experience with cancer and I can't even I, I will never forget the chief oncologist at Mayo Clinic who said to my dad Wayne is there a difference between dying of cancer and living with cancer what's it going to be and so it seems to me that we all are in a position to choose to be happy it's not what happens to us it's what we do with what happens to us that really defines us that's what I got out of this let's go to number two
4: so number two is um, happiness is personal so you know, somebody's idea of happiness might be, you know, running a marathon or going out dancing or playing golf. You know, everybody has different ideas as to what makes them happy. And so we sometimes forget that. We want to kind of make, you know, like, oh, this makes me happy, so it should make you happy too. And that's not always the case. Again, happiness is, is personal. And it can change. Like, I'm, I'm truly an introvert, so people don't, don't always know that. So if I've been in a big... Public event, you know, where I'm with people for, you know, seven, eight hours for a day or something, you know, I'm not wanting to, I want to go like to my hotel room or back home and curl up with a book, <laughs> you know, because, you know, while I was happy at the event with lots of people, I'm also happy to go be quiet. Somebody else may want to go celebrate something and be with, you know, a hundred of their closest friends. So I happiness love it, so- is personal. And so people need, you know, like you kind of need to know what makes you happy.
2: Wow.
1: Okay, number three.
4: So number three is what makes us happy. It also changes as we change. So what made you happy when you were 20 probably isn't going to make you happy maybe when you're 40 and you're managing teenagers. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it does change with us as we go through different um, stages of our life. And I think that's the other piece of happiness that we sometimes will go back and go but i was you know i used to like to do blah 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 whatever that was but you know but i don't now and people get frustrated because they sometimes look at past happiness and, and try to recreate it and you sort of you only live any moment once so you can't necessarily recreate a happy experience you can just appreciate it when you had it
1: I love it. Let me just insert a couple of my favorite quotes, which means today you've never been this old before, and today you'll never be this young again, so right now and right now matters, which means no matter what your past has been, you have a spotless future, which means you can't always control what happens, but what you're saying, Pamela, is that you can always control what happens next, that happiness is a choice if we choose to live in the moment. Is that what you're saying?
4: Well, exactly. Happiness is, a, is, is pretty much about being mindful. Like I said, if you ever try to really recreate a past happy experience, it's never exactly the same, nor should it be. But sometimes we often get stuck in that trap, I think, of trying to, to you know, recreate something. And like I said, things change as we, you know, as we change. So I might not have liked golf at 20, but I might love it at 40.
1: I love it. Okay, step number four, my friend.
4: So, okay, I think in this is our society because we're so tapped into social media. There's always been a certain keeping up with the Jones competitiveness that I think is just part of the fabric of being Americans, you know, where they're, we're kind of a competitive group. But happiness isn't competitive. When you see somebody's post on Instagram or social media you have to remember it might have taken them 20 or 40 shots to get that perfect happy picture. And it's also just a moment of their time. So you can't compare where you're at to where somebody else was at. It also goes back to the previous two pieces about happiness, which you know happiness changes as you change, and happiness is personal. So what makes that person happy might or might not make you happy, even if you were doing the exact same thing, but we get super comparative with, with our happiness, and it's just, it's just not a competitive a sport. It's a mindfulness place. It's a place moment by moment.
1: Oh, you are so wise. What we're talking about, my friends, is
4: practical
1: happiness. Is that what you called it?
4: Yeah. I, I, I finally one day decided, you know, I, I just think the society has always been about, we've never, ever told people to pretend they're happy if they're not. Uh, it's about being practically happy, which means you, you, you sort of are rolling with the flow. On your worst day, there was a happy moment. And on your best day, there was an unhappy moment. You know, they both existed. We coexist. It's just, that's called life.
1: Yeah. So I'm talking with Pamela Gail Johnson, who founded the Secret Society of Happy People. So we're on number five of your five-step program for practical happily, happiness. What is that?
4: is expand your definition of happiness. So when I told people that you could um, get the 31 types of happiness poster with the, um, your Muse membership, it's the free Muse membership to boot, um, there's 31 types of happiness on there. We also have an app that's on our Happier at Work app platform right now. So if you typed that into one of your app searches you can you can download it. but there's a you know a happiness counter and tracker. But I think one of the things about happiness is is in some ways, there's two types of happiness. There's an instant gratification happiness, and then there's kind of an in-game happiness, so a little bit longer term happiness. So let's say you've decided you want to run a marathon. So, being in the marathon is, is you know, the, the in the game happiness. It's the success moment. But probably while you're training, you're going to have some moments that might or might not have been, you know, always happy. You might not want to be out running your eight miles in the rain, but it's your eight mile day, so you have to go do it. So there's, there's two kinds of happiness. Sometimes happiness is relief. Like we actually got rain here in Texas this morning. I was so excited because um, our sprinkler system isn't working right, so it was nice that it watered the grass nice. So there was a relief that <laughs> I wasn't having to get up to water grass in the morning. Sometimes happiness is just being amused. Sometimes it's something funny. You know, it's it's all over the board. Um, sometimes it's counting your blessings. There's spiritual happiness. Um, and I think one of the things is we really challenge people to do is count that number of happy moments you have had in the in an hour, in three hours, and I bet the total for most people is usually more than they think it was going to be, especially when you expand that definition.
1: You are so wise. It's been such an honor. So what you've taught me here, I think what you've taught our listeners is that we don't see things as they are; we see things as we are. If every one of our listeners, if you and I, Pamela, were looking out the same window in a west at a West Texas rainstorm that you just mentioned. And one of us complained, what a horrible day, and another person exclaimed, it's a wonderful day. The weather did not change. Exactly. So you're basically saying that we owe it to ourselves to choose to be happy and to learn from every experience, which turns every negative eventually into a positive, as long as we learn a lesson and we're better today than were we were yesterday. Would you say that that's a good summarization? Uh,
4: well, no, That's that's exactly... That's exactly very close to one of the the ways I would say it. You know, every experience is an opportunity for us to choose to be a better person, you know, or to be angry and stuck in in the past. And again, it may take a little time to get there, and I I never want people to beat themselves up over the time it may take them to get there. The key is to just actively be trying to get there.
1: You are so amazing. So my guest is Pamela Gail Johnson. Once again, teach us how to get a hold of you. And I I know that you're a, a, a professional speaker, a trainer, and an author of the Secret Society of Happy People's 31 Types of Happiness Guide. I cannot wait to get a copy and read that. Teach us how to get a hold of you as a speaker. Is there a phone number or do you just want us to contact you online? Give us the entire gamut of your contact information. This has been an amazing interview and I want to have you back again.
4: Well, I love to come back, especially in August, because it's Happiness Happens Month. Um, you can find us at happier dash at dash work dot com, but there's also a link to that from the Secret Society of Happy People website. So it's super easy just to to flip over there. We have like 52. Um, we have tips. We send out a daily tip for ha- not daily, a weekly tip about how to be happier at work. We have a leadership newsletter for you know managers. We have. Um, I'm about to p- publish. 52 ways to be happier at work, 52 plus ways. So we'll have that in a book form so people, uh, again, since we spend so much time at work, you know, there's just little techniques we can do to make sure that we're smiling more than we're not.
1: I love it. So this is Dan Clark, voiceamerica.com, the Influencers Channel. My website is danclark.com and I'm going to put a link to uh, Pamela Gail Johnson's Secret Society of Happy People because I want to be part of your tribe, and uh, you know I have joke books, I have crazy stories that hopefully will put a smile on your face as well, my friend. I can't wait to interact with you offline, off, off, off air, and uh, I look forward to having you back on my show. So, listeners, I, I you got to just I look forward to coming remember.
4: back, and uh, and, uh, and actually, I'll give your listeners a little sneak peek. Our theme for Happiness Happens Month is going to be: be the reason someone smiles.
1: I love it, or as I would say, be the kind of person you need to be so that everyone leaves you saying, I like me best. When I'm with you, I want to see you again. Hopefully, listeners, that's what you say every time you tune in, and I hope to to have you join my tribe and receive some free gifts and training. So This is Dan Clark thanking my guest, Pamela Gale Johnson, and my first guest, War Hero Josh Hansen. We'll be here exactly at the same time, same bat time, same bat station next week. Remember our military troops and their families and our prayers. God bless America, and you all have a great day.
0: Thanks for being part of the show. Be sure to join Dan Clark next Monday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, for another edition of The Art of Significance on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Remember, you too can achieve the level beyond success.